On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. In 1985, one man would dare to mix gymnastics and karate. Today, we just call that mixed martial arts. Maybe Kurt Thomas couldn't turn gymnastics gold to box office gold, but he does give us the opportunity to watch this cult classic and try to stick the landing as we prove to you that when it comes to Gymkata, it's not that bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks at A grades in B movies. I'm your host, Jason. Welcome to the show. Now, occasionally, someone brings up a movie, and I am intrigued and challenged by the idea of watching this movie. And today's episode is just that, because my guest host today is none other than Nicholas Santiago, but if you are a fan of going to Comic-Cons, then you might actually know him as Mr. Agitator from the band V is for Villains. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to tackle Jim Cotta with you. Oh, and, and tackle it we did. Um, okay, so for anyone who uh, is familiar with my other podcast, Made You a Mixtape, then you are already aware and, and know who Mr. Agitator is. But for those who didn't, listen to that podcast first of all shame on you but can you let us know what is v for villains v is for villains is the world's only industrial electronic rock pop super villain masked band that that is a lot in one sentence and it's absolutely <laughs> awesome <laughs> okay so now it comes to the point where we have the, the 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 deep question of why the hell did you suggest this movie <laughs> You know why, honestly? Jim Cotta, I, I'm a connoisseur of bad film. I love terrible film. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think that, you know, Jim Cotta is one of those rare breeds of film where you could try to make a movie that bad and would never come even close. And by bad, I mean amazing. There is almost no moment in that film that is not utterly hilarious. <laughs> And I feel like every time I bring this film up to people, nobody knows what it is. I'm always like, well, you haven't seen Jim Cotta? And they're like, what the hell is a Jim Cotta? And I'm like, no, you got it. Just, I can't even explain it. It's just the perfect storm for horrible. Aside from sounding like some bad 1980s era WWF wrestler. Um, and I, w- I will admit, I was surprised when I watched the film that it wasn't made by Canon Films. Because right, they, exactly. they, they were very into that, you know, ninjas, but not ninjas kind of movie. Um, right. But for those who are now listening to this and going, well, what the hell is a Jim Cotta? Um, I'm going to hand the microphone over to you because it's time to take Jim Cotta and trailerize it. An American gymnast travels to a foreign country to compete in a deadly game not won by anyone other than the native in more than 900 years. Directed by Robert Klaus. Written by Charles Robert Carter. Stars, Kurt Thomas, Tenchi Agabayani, and Richard Norton. 
Okay, so there's a lot to unpack out of that whole trailerized thing. So let let's let's give you the rundown of kind of who's in and and how this came to be. So it stars world gymnastics champion Kurt Thomas, the late Kurt Thomas, who unfortunately passed away last year. Uh, oh, Kurt Thomas. Mm-hmm. And former Playboy model Techi Agbayani as Princess Rubali, who actually is still acting today. I, I went through, oh, wow. I actually went through her, her IMDb, her filmography. Uh, this year, 2021, she released a film called The Woman Who Cannot Feel, um, which is kind of how I, I kind of how I felt after watching the movie. Um, <laughs> I can no longer feel it. But two, two, two movies on her IMDb actually stood out for me. The first one was 1986. She was in the Money Pit with Tom oh, Hanks really? and uh, and Shelley Long, and a movie that I now have to get my hands on, 1988's She Man, Mistress of the Universe. I have no idea what the hell this movie is. What? Yeah, right. I the, want this. Right. The minute you read that She Man, Mistress of the Universe, I'm like, I need to actually find this. This but, has to happen. <laughs> <laughs> now, normally when you take an athlete and a former Playboy model and you put them into a pseudo ninja film, that can only mean good things, right? Typically, I would think. Yeah, one would think, one would hope. It's it's a recipe for success. <laughs> that that would literally be like taking, oh, I don't know, Pamela Anderson and Peyton Manning and putting them into a movie. Right. While mixing two things together that probably shouldn't be mixed together. Uh, you... <laughs> Robert Klaus directed this. Yes. Now, now yeah. he actually has, um, first of all, like two Oscar nominations to his name. He was, oh, really? He was nominated for two short films that he had directed before. But, you know, if the name sounds familiar, it's probably because he was the director of Enter the Dragon. Really? Starring Bruce I did Lee. not know that. And, I did not know that. And Yul Brenner's The Ultimate Warrior. And he was also the guy who finished game of death like the the movie that came out after bruce lee had passed away he was the one that went in you know changed a few things in there and finished it so robert klaus for martial arts fans this is kind of right up his alley right 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 he's like uh he's he's making uh competitive martial arts like uh, uh action films like it's its own genre that's going out of style and yeah he made enter the dragon that's amazing like but then the- he also made Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's like saying, well, Metallica made the Black Album, but they also made Lulu. You know, so they also did Saint Anger. <laughs> oh, they also replaced the snare drum with a with a trash can. So, oh, oh, yeah, so there's did. that. Sorry, sorry, not sorry, Lars. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> but you, know what you did exactly now. Uh, admittedly. When you have a movie like Jim Cotta, it's going to get some Razzie nominations. And Kurt Thomas right. was actually nominated as Worst New Star. Didn't win, oh, but he was nominated for Worst New Star. Uh, one, of the things, one of the things that surprised me was the, the entire film was, the entire movie was filmed in Yugoslavia. And okay. while that seems like one of those like odd things, it, it's not really that odd because two notable films that were filmed, not entirely, but at least partly in Yugoslavia, Kelly's Heroes, and the 1990 
Captain America made for TV film. The one oh, where Oh man. The one where Captain America's got like the fake ears on the side of the helmet. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'll never forget that film. Oh. That was amazing. Somehow yeah. worse than the uh like the canon one, right? Yeah. Didn't Canon do a Captain America? I, I I'm trying to remember. No, I think that was the Canon one. Is there, that the one? There was, was that the there, one? There were two that were done like in the seventies, I think, where he was like driving around in a motorcycle. And it wasn't. Yeah. It didn't look yeah, yeah, that yeah. horrible. No, I think this was the canon one where it's like this is the one where Red Skull like stabbed him in the throat. <laughs> this is I the just one remember where... being a kid and watching it, and then Captain America gets the shit beat out of him. <laughs> and spends the next hour of the movie walking around homeless, crying. Yeah. With, with the, what with a the, movie! With the derpiest look on his face as he gives the president the thumbs up. Where where his special <laughs> where his special move is literally like I'm gonna like pretend I'm sick, get out of the car. When someone comes to help me, I'm gonna run and take the car and drive off. Like if you, old superhero movies, though, uh, man, that was they were always like that. They're like, well, we can't show any effects. Just uh, uh, show him running. I don't know. Yet <laughs> He'll get away. Somehow is still better. Then Superman going, save Martha. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't had the chance to watch the 1990 Captain America, grab some popcorn and and just pack a whole lot of fun because it's that is up there with Jim Cotta as as unintentionally funny bad. Oh, Uh, it really is. Red Skull in that film has like a jigsaw face and he like has like he's got a team of Italian supermodel women that mm -hmm. fight for him. I don't I don't know why. It's just amazing. Uh, Now, Maxim Magazine had Mm -hmm. this listed as the 17th worst movie of all time. Now, I don't know how much stock that we're going to put into that maximum list because at number 16 on that list. Okay. So one worse than Jim Cotta, they had the thin red line. And then at number seven, they had the English patient. So I have a feeling. What? Right. No, no. Jim Cotta is bad, but I don't know. I don't know about how much, how much we put into that list. Right. Uh, But keep in mind, it is from Maxim magazine. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll take a whole lot of grain of salt of there. Now, now, according to IMDb, it made only 5.7 million worldwide. And on its opening weekend, it debuted at number 10, right behind desperately seeking Susan. So that kind of gives you an idea (laughs) of the timeframe that it came out with. Now, as far as, as far as the Rotten Tomato score, which is kind of our gauge for what gets on the show, um, yeah. it definitely ranks as worthy of the show because it has only a 17% tomato meter yes. and a 40% audience score. So before we get to the breakdown, I'm going to ask you, yeah, who's right? The critics or the audience? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to tell you that I love that somewhere in 1990 or whenever the hell this came out or 80, whatever, that there was... 1985, year I was born. There was somebody, there was a suit. You know, there was a dude, an executive that had to go into a meeting with Kurt Thomas and his agent and and somebody else from the studio that had to explain, look, man, desperately seeking Susan came out. You can't follow that, Kurt. (laughs) We can't be desperately seeking Susan. I'm so sorry. It's just, it's it's number one. I don't know what to tell you, you know. Like, 
And that's like Desperate. It wasn't even a debut. Like Desperately Seeking Susan was already in the theaters for weeks at that point in time. We're still sitting in ninth, and Jim Cotta could not could not do the gymnastics leap over Madonna. That's the, oh, that's pretty bad. Uh, that's pretty bad. Okay. And you know, I think I think um, I think they're both right. Honestly, I'm going to take the easy answer and say I think they're both right. I I will say that I think it only took a couple of weeks for Jim Cotta to go low enough that. <laughs> The Gods Must Be Crazy leapfrogged it because it was still in the theaters at that point. Gods Must Be Crazy. You have to understand, dear mm-hmm. listeners, that movie was in theaters for like over a year straight. I think I think it actually holds wow. the world record for longest stretch in a theater, like longest theatrical run. I don't think any movie would ever consecutive be in theater, consecutively be in theaters as long as The Gods Must Be Crazy as. And I don't know if there's a movie that that could I don't think the public would do it. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the breakdown here. And I'm going to go to you, Mr. Agitator, Nicholas Santiago. We're going to talk about who stood out to you in this movie as good acting. (laughs) Good acting or like good acting? Well, well, to to coin the phrase of the show, not that bad acting. (laughs) Not that bad. Well, you know, I'm going to say this, and I mean this with the utmost sincerity and not just because the poor late, great Kurt Thomas has passed, but you know, I know as a performer, sometimes you work with what you're given and you know, maybe the guy wasn't a good actor, right. in the technical sense, maybe is a strong word. We know he was not a good (laughs) actor, right. But I feel like when it came to doing his bit, the thing that he was there to do, I feel like he did it in spades. Uh, you could clearly see he was talented physically and that everything that he pulled to the, you know, to the forefront is, I mean, and I guess I understand, like from his point of view, I feel like you would walk through the door and be like, well, I'm not even going to question why there's a pummel horse in the middle of a town square in a medieval, like, you know, like I'm here. I, I know the truth is I, they just want to see me on that pummel horse doing Kurt Thomas shit. And that's what he did. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's a, uh, a design of the Parmistan local government is that they have to have pommel horses <laughs> put throughout. And I mean, you're, you're right. He's not that bad. You know, I mean, it's a, no. it's a bad script. Let's be honest. It's a bad script. Yeah. The, you know, it, any actor will occasionally get a script, look at the lines and go, Oh dear God, you want me to say this with right. a straight face, right? right? How, right. how much are you pay me? Oh, okay. I'll say it. Um, right. Exactly. You, know, you, you could kind of see that you know they were trying to go for that. And I mentioned Canon films at the at the beginning. They were trying to go for that, you know, not, maybe not an American right. ninja kind of film or kind of feel. Right, right. Because because American Ninja, as far as Canon films went, you know, it did okay. You know, like that it, yeah. it it wasn't a money loser, I don't think, because it you know, it wasn't no. a big budget film to begin with. And hell, but, it did well enough. They made like what, five of them? Like uh, <laughs> they just kept making them. So it did well enough. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like in the eighties, you know, and, and you'll agree with this. There was a lot of those ninja type movies, you know, right. I mean, Chuck right. Norris was big as well. So basically anything that was martial arts or, you know, some guy goes to some foreign land and he's going to like, yeah. you know, he's going to yeah. kick some ass with some sweet, sweet, uh, sweet, you know, jump kicks or, you know, spin <laughs> kicks or whatever. And it's some ninjas. And, exactly. That, that right. was it. Um, I, right. I did find it interesting 
that they brought in Te- you know, Techi Egbayani, you know, Princess Rubali, to to head up his training, yet we never saw her actually train him. Just occasionally <laughs> flick, a, flick a knife at him. Like... <laughs> right. If your goal is to maybe accidentally stab the man, I think <laughs> that you're doing good. You're, that's good. That's great training. Uh, mm. If you want to accidentally murder your pupil. But, you know, I think, yeah... <laughs> We never actually saw her really show him how to do shit. There, there is one thing I will point out about her, though, is that and, and it, it felt like two different movies for her. In yeah. the first half of the film, she was very quiet, very mysterious, and a, and a lot right. of right. A, a lot of her motivation. I, th- I think in the first, I think because I, I, I was starting to do a count after about twenty minutes. I think in the, about the first fifty minutes of the film, she had four lines. Oh yeah, she, she you is. Know, you're the, right. She didn't really talk much in the beginning yeah. at all. She she had way yeah. more once the game started, but right, she, she right. Like, there was like a ton of scenes of her just kind of like mysterious eyes, and that like really played well. Like like yeah. here's you know here is our Jim Cotta, right? Here's here's right. our 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 Jonathan Cabot. He's ready to you know he's training for this mysterious game where we're not quite sure what the rules are. And I'm not even sure there were rules to begin with. Um, Cause no one, right. any of their words, yeah, I, I don't recall them ever really <laughs> divulging what it was, except for get from A to B, <laughs> right. kill everybody on the way, you know? And you have this, you know, person who's been brought in from Parmistan to train him in the ways of the game in order to be able, and the <laughs> fact that, the fact she had, that she had, four lines in that first 50 minutes of the film and it's only an hour and a half film and there's credits at the right. end so you know the, wow. that that's a long stretch where she's playing more mysterious and i think that right. actually played well i think that actually added yeah. a bit of something to it rather than just have her spew out some you know like you know i i think back to kill bill volume two like some pie may sure. philosophical crap you know like sure don't, don't try and you know put out all of like the you know the tropes you know like the, the right the, the cliches right. i i was happier that we, she was mysterious i was happier that she was right. you know clearly she fell for him pretty fast because that developed oh like, yeah Right. Uh, right, that came out of nowhere like a dump truck. Like, yeah. I walked up the stairs in a handstand. Now I'm ready for him. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what you do. That's what I do. Uh, That's how I, I got my girl. I just I walked up to her while doing a handstand. I was like, hey, dude. If if that was the way to to get a wife in this day and age, um, I I would not have the wife that I have. Thankfully, she doesn't ask me to, you know, walk up the, the stairs. <laughs> in a <laughs> this ain't happening until you make it to the top of the floor. No. <laughs> oh shit! Right, it's never happening. <laughs> I, I will say I will say that another person that really kind of stood out for me uh, is mm-hmm. Bert Cartalian, and he played the con so basically princess okay, Rubali's right. dad right. who was you know basically like quote unquote the king of parmishtan it's you know it's hard to kind of tell what the the hierarchy is but right there was something about him when he was on screen and i got a very you know two references came to mind when i was watching him mel brooks right yeah and, totally. and ben kingsley in iron man 3 yeah, totally. Like, like that, like that. The not when he was the Mandarin, but when he was right, the actor. When he and, was the bumbling guy. Yeah. yeah. When, when, yeah. Trevor Slattery. Yes. Oh man, I wonder when, if he's aware of this at all. I don't if know. That informed his performance even a little bit because it feels 
very similar. It, it, I, if Ben Kingsley ever came out and said, my idea for Trevor Slattery came from Burke Artalian and Jim Cotta, please say that that is the inspiration. <laughs> I would be able to quit the business. I'd be like, well, we, you can't get any better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Life will never be sweeter than that moment. So I am, I'm, I'm torn though i am torn yeah. like not necessarily on kurt thomas i'm right. torn and I, I want your opinion on this on richard norton zamir the guy who okay. was supposed to be marrying princess ubali and then did his right. best to to try and kill jonathan cabot so he couldn't win the game i'm curious your take right. on that because i was kind of like hit or miss yeah i felt like it was more of a miss i felt like to me what he felt like in his performance was like a stunt guy that was like i you know, I usually do the punching and the kick. I don't know how to do this shit. That's what it came across to me as like, like, but now I've got to speak and like have words with other human beings. Okay. That's not my thing. Like that was what it felt like. Like he was just rushing to get through the next set of words just to get to the next moment. You know, like, okay, I I said the thing. That's good. Right. Like I said, the word it's over. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there was just absolute, in my opinion, every time something came out of his mouth, there was just nothing. There's nothing there. You know, Kurt Thomas, I think, was at least trying. And I guess my point on the Kurt Thomas bit was like, okay, like if you cast Al Pacino in Jim Cotta, <laughs> and you know, I want you to imagine it. <laughs> if you cast Al Pacino in Jim Cotta, the film is so poorly made and written, and the concept that it's all the same. Al Pacino is going to be Al Pacino and it's going to be horrible. And he's not even going to be able to do the gymnastics bit. I'm, I'm like, trying to least... picture. I mean, Al Pacino <laughs> as Zamir could be good. You know? Oh yeah. 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 I, I can get sure. killed doing this. You can kill walking your doggy. Now go across the rope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. An amazing moment. And then uh, the ninjas that look like Devo. You know, I, <laughs> I, never, I'm not quite sure why. what they were supposed to be. Like you had the ninja. It was almost like, yeah, it was like Devo met the purge. I wasn't quite sure right. exactly what that right, was. Red hats. They jump out of nowhere. They're like, no, get back on the course. Get back on course. Like, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> right? You know, that's your job. Your job is to stand out in the field all day. And if somebody starts going left, you tell them to go right. <laughs> okay. I, I will say that this movie had a lot of moments where like you're watching it and okay, so there there's there's our gymnast, you know, there's our Jim Cotta guy, there's there's Princess Agbayana, there's Zamir. And then I lost track of how many times you know someone would come up and go, Well, who the hell is this guy and where does he come from? Like all yeah. these contestants <laughs> in the game. It's like where especially right. especially the big guy. Like like the this massive and I and I have to bring him up here. I have to bring him up. Bob shot uh, as Thorg. And if you've ever wondered what it would look like if you took um, a 1980s Californian surfer dude and shoved an air hose up his ass and hit full, (laughs) kind of what Bob shot looked like. That is exactly what he looks like. I mean, for reference, he was actually a professional arm wrestler and he had the body to look like it. So it's one of those things where it's like, he was almost perfect. Yeah. Almost perfect for that eighties kind of, Oh yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah. here to be like, you know, the, the hump in the road. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, I just felt like as a whole, every time I watch Jim Cotta, I am always surprised at the randomness 
of the moments where you're like, somebody had to write this and then somebody else had to storyboard it, presumably. And then, mm. you know, every, like, cause you know, it's when you think about making a film, it's like, there's a team of about a hundred people standing there behind the camera. It's not just actor A and B. Clearly there's an operator. There's everybody's there. Mm-hmm. Not one person thought, well, maybe that'd be pretty random if an arrow just flew out of the middle of nowhere. It killed the guy because the story just deemed he was not necessary to the plot anymore. So what are we going to do with him? Eh, just shoot him. You know, like, well, it's like, it's like at the beginning of the film, right? Like he, you right. know, John Cabot does the, the the gymnastics competition and then he gets taken away by the the SIA, which is, you know, really yeah. not the CIA, but it is, you know. And right. there, there's, right. there's some random blonde girl that's like looking at him like, please come back. Who the hell is this? Who is this? <laughs> it's like it's like was that his girlfriend? Was that his wife? And now he's you know he's he's you know taken off to some safe house to learn the ways of the game from some mysterious right. woman that he's you know that's holding a knife at him and he's gonna jump as soon as he can walk up right. the stairs on this in a handstand. Like who the hell is this girl? <laughs> there are so many questions, and you're and right. My like, other question is kind of like, does this happen to him often? Are we led to believe that <laughs> Kurt Thomas is a SIA agent on the regular? Like, I know they kind of went through this whole, like, well, you're going to be trained. We're going to do this. But how often does the U.S. government recruit Olympic athletes <laughs> to go and do mission? What? <laughs> Why? I, I wonder. And, you know, we, we talked about, you know, how it would be amazing if Ben Kingsley kind of came out and said that Burke Cartellian was was his 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 muse for this. But I, I, I do wonder, though, because there was there's this TV show right. and I haven't had a chance to watch it, but there's a show or a movie, something called JCVD. And it's basically the entire premise oh, yeah. is like, you know, is Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, right. is it really this 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 thing but he's like some kind of secret agent or something like that in the movie roles it's just kind of a you know like i said i haven't had a chance to watch it you know so i'd be curious if you know really athletes that we admire today are really secret agents it's kind of like a a confessions of a dangerous mind thing you know right right game show hosts can be contract killers (laughs) then then gold medal winning gymnasts can be you know secret agents for the for some clandestine (laughs) alphabet agency of the government i started to feel so much like death to smoochie in a weird way oh (laughs) there's another there's another good movie there's there's absolutely another good movie people hated it i adored it i thought it was one of the best films oh it was so so funny so So funny well but like i feel like here's here's my take on the absurdity of that that idea of like well we're going to activate olympic gold medalist kurt <laughs> thomas to go do our secret agent thing is operation that james, pummel horse <laughs> right exactly operation pummel horse. like what the hell else are you going to use him for in any other scenario he's just a guy yep. like you know james bond drinks and smokes and has sex every five seconds and it's probably kind of out of shape. Mm-hmm. And he will beat Kurt Thomas every single time because he has a gun. <laughs> and Kurt Thomas has gymnastics. And that's not going to help you a lot with a bullet <laughs> barreling yeah. at you. Yeah, James, like, James Bond gets all the cool gadgets. And, right, you right. know, our Jonathan Cabot, Kurt Thomas, got, you know, and he was told not to touch it. A knife that jumped out of the handle. It's like you could kill someone from twenty feet. I'm like, 
That's great. Right. I'm not going to help you on a pommel horse. (laughs) No. Right. They didn't give him one gymnastic themed (laughs) secret device or anything. Like, like, like give give the guy some kind of pole that will extend out or that has stands so you can right. you know flip and do your kicks or whatever. But oh, not one thing that not there wasn't one thing in his capability as a gymnast that made me feel like he could win the game. No, whatever the game was, like I felt like you would be better off just getting like a hepkido instructor, yeah, or like you know. Because yeah, I get it. He can he can gymnast very well. Mm-hmm. Damn it, Kurt! No one does gym like you. But like, I don't think that translates to a guy that just punches you to death really quick. <laughs> I don't. Jumping like John Carter is not going to help you on this mission. It's not going to help you. Do anything. You know what I get? It. Like you got to like run the tightrope and shit. But <laughs> yeah. Outside of that, I don't think it's very yeah. useful. And now, admittedly, you mentioned that I don't know why there's you know pummel horses in Parmesan. Maybe that's why right. they activated Operation Pummel Horse. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe somebody did like uh, recon mm-hmm. on what was it, Parmesan, which just sounds like an amazing pasta dish. And they were <laughs> like, yeah, it does. I'll have a Parmesan, please. I felt like they maybe they did some kind of uh, reconnaissance. And they came back and they all had a meeting and they were like, there's an ungodly amount of pummel horses in this medieval town. Yeah. We need somebody who understands how to navigate pummel horses. Well, sir, we feel like if we send in agent Jason Bourne, he'll be able to just walk by the pummel horses. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. You're not understanding. We need somebody who can make contact with the pummel horses if needs be. And I think Jason Bourne, he wouldn't know. No. Now, I, admittedly, I kind of wish, you know how like everything is a cinematic universe? Right. You know, if Jim Cotta was going to be the Iron Man, I was, you know, basically <sighs> waiting for the next film to be like, you know, the triple jump specialist <laughs> going off to some country and doing something. I, I needed my gymnastics Avengers. I, I need gymnastics that. Gymnastics ha- Avengers. We need it's that like to happen. Like a twelve-year-old girl does the Hulk. You know? <laughs> She's really good at doing the splits. We, we don't know why she was kicked out of the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> She's always angry. Uh, oh, jeez. But and I will say this about the plot of the film. Okay, uh, there there were things in here where right. it was actually somewhat intriguing. Um, yeah, the entire concept though of the game, like it wasn't really handled that well in this film. Let, let's no. let's call a spade a spade on this one. Like the the execution of the game is literally, I'm going to run through corn and then I'm going to go across a rope, then climb up a right. rope, and then you know that should be it, right? Right. But the yeah, concept, there, were, there was no objective really. Uh, <laughs> I can see the concept of the game being used as a plot device for a film where. You know, it becomes like this underground, you know, high sure. stakes, illegal competition sure. on some remote island that claims sure. immunity from all laws of all countries because of international, you know, pirate laws or whatever the case may be. Right, right. Like you're entering at your own risk, man. Yeah. And I feel like in order to make that work, I mean, basically, it's kind of that's kind of Mortal Kombat, right? Like I was, I was just in thinking a weird that, yeah. way. Yeah. You know, but I feel like. I feel like, yeah, that's an intriguing idea. And I'm a big believer that anything, 
you can take any horrible film character anything and mm-hmm. if you rewrite it and you try to make it good you can make it good you can take jim cotta and make it an amazing film it oh, may absolutely. not be called jim cotta by the end of it, <laughs> but you can take the premise the concept the characters the idea and you can really retranslate that because surprise surprise we run into you know kurt thomas's father on the island Commander Cabot. At random. Right. You, uh, I guess he's there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Weird. Um, and I know they kind of explained, yeah, well, your dad was in the game at some point. It, you know, it was very loose. But uh, it, the whole lead up to him being there was just like, oh, hey, surprise. Dad's here. Yeah. Oh, Who the okay. hell is this guy? Cool. Oh, dad. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's dad. And then dad's dead. All right. Well, bye, dad. It, it would have been interesting had they, you know, had kurt thomas's jonathan cabot you know showed this kind of like you know you know i miss my dad kind of thing you know right, he just kind right. of disappeared and any, you know any was, backstory exactly it was revealed right. that his dad had entered the game kind of thing was part of this the <laughs> sia you know and he you know in order to find his dad he would have to go and do this for the sia like there's motivation that could have been put in there like there there is actually right. I think at the heart of this film, there's actually a decent plot and sure. script that could be there. Um, and it's there's right. there there is a line I'm going to point out too because it, there, there's more to this. This is literally there's an onion to Jim Cotta as I was right. watching this. Well, I feel like like bad film there, there should be, and it's like maybe even like just a twist or a rewriting of yeah. an idea here or there. Why can't you rewrite at the end that really you know Kurt Thomas his father is like an heir to Parmistan. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's why they sent him in because he's connected to it, to the Royal family in some way, shape or form, you know, like there, sometimes it's just like a little tiny seasoning. will give it. Or, or if the dad had gone native and kind of taken over Parmistan, they basically needed the go. son to go in, win the game and kind right. of dethrone him. Like there's so much right, that we've right. done there, but exactly. Parmistan itself like it was a very fascinating uh, concept, right? Because the entire, sure. you know, country of Parmistan really felt like it was, you know, set in the middle of a medieval times. Everything right, was exactly. kind of felt like it was, I don't know what era right. they were going with, like Mongolian or whatever the case, but there was a line in it from uh, right. from Princess Rubali. And she said, young people want Parmistan to enter the 20th century. And oh. I'm like, there is a lot of backstory in that one sentence when they actually gave her a sentence um, that I'm like, I want more out of this. Like is him, is him going to win, you know, the win the game and then help stop Zamir uh, from basically taking over the army and base and having a coup, which kind of felt like that was the, the the end Zamir's end goal was to form a coup by marrying princess. Right. 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 And controlling the army. He just clearly didn't really give a shit about her at all. It was just more about getting the seat. I, 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 clearly thinking way too much about a 1980s Jim Cotta film, but, <laughs> but there, there is a lot of backstory there. And, and I kind of wish that, you know, either the movie was a little bit longer or you trimmed down some of the gym fighting scenes kind of thing right. to kind of get to it. But there was actually clearly when they were writing the screenplay based off of the book, mm-hmm. there's a lot of backstory there that does add a lot of flavor to the film. If you look for it. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think um, 
Yeah, I mean, there are things even like, right, even in the worst of films, there are things that kind of intrigue or capture the imagination. And I agree with you. I think that that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, clearly the idea of dropping an operative into an area where he's trapped, that could have Mm -hmm. been the kind of thing where it was an interesting and intriguing 24 hours, you know, as opposed to it being like, all of this weird subplot with how are we getting there? Okay, now we're here. Now we're, oh, and then the training. And then the, would have been more interesting is right. Like dropping this guy in the middle of the action right at the beginning and saying, well, you got a day to get out, mm-hmm. you know, but you're in an area now where there's no technology. People don't play by modern rules. It's, uh, you're in a medieval zone, yeah. you know, it's been very interesting, you know, and I agree. There is one part of the game, um, that I'd have to bring up and it's after he got through like all the climbing and the, the gymnastics type kind of thing. And he, I guess he's back in the town at this point in Parmistan and it takes some weird horror movie vibe. Yeah. 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 yeah, like, yeah absolutely. Like every, everyone's going crazy. Dude tries to slash right. him with a, with a, with a knife and then cuts his own hand off. And you know, <laughs> right. there's like, a guy the, who has another face on the back of his face, which was creepy as hell. There was the crow woman, <laughs> you know, who's literally like staring at him from the window. Going, ah, right. ah. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> but then about 10 minutes into this weird fever dream, um, it hit me. It really hit me. And it came from like the, the idea kind of born from the fact that Kurt Thomas in this film kind of looks like a young Mark Hamill. At least maybe yeah. that was kind of what they were. Oh, sure. Sure. So if you're watching this scene and, and you know you're not on drugs, so you know right. that what you're watching is real. Um, Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not saying. <laughs> but if you watch that scene and you and you equate it to Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. in the Empire Strikes Back on Dagobah mm-hmm. and he goes into the tree and he has that moment where he faces Vader. They have the little lightsaber duel. You know, he chops off the head and like the, the mask explodes in his face. So it's very much like right. that. I was almost waiting for like, as you mentioned, like the guy with the two faces. And I think right. the second face, they did their best to make it look like uh, uh, someone who looked like Kurt Thomas. So I was right. like, oh my God, they're doing they're doing the Empire Strikes Back. They're doing the Luke and Dagobah moment. <laughs> yeah, I can see that 100%. Like, you know, I can see that that's their approximation sitting there going like, well, you know, Star Wars is hot right now. We got to do something. It's yeah. like Star Wars, but we got a gym movie in the medieval times. Ah, it's fine. True. <laughs> Put but, everything in this. And Devo's great too. Those <laughs> Devo ninjas. Yeah, but the, the fact that they, you know, the the entire reason for him going there and winning the game, you know, so mm-hmm. they could get their one wish was that so the American government could put a, a Star Wars station in there because, of course, Star right. Wars was, was a thing in 1985. We're talking Reagan right. era. They want to yep. have satellites up and, you know, the, the, yep. he called it Star Wars because Reagan would. Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you realize that, oh my God! The, so they're using Star Wars as a plot, like the the actual concept, not the right. movie. And then they have this very Star Wars moment, which I can't believe I just compared Empire Strikes Back to Jim Cotta, but here we are. You did. You made it happen. <laughs> I will point out. I will point out. This movie showed a level of restraint that you don't see in movies. A lot of movies these days. Yeah. Yeah, do not, tell. I'm very not interested. Not once did 
anyone say the word Jimkata. Not once. They didn't. It's never said. Oh my god. Not what right. Not one roll credits moment. Oh my god. Like so when you think, right? Like I know there's the, the there's the the whole joke of like people go, "Ah, Jimkata." No, they never said right. it. Never said it. There wasn't one scene where Kurt Thomas looked at the camera and said, and that's when I became Jim Cotta. <laughs> something right? horrible like that. That's when I started practicing Jim Cotta. You like, know? It, we never had that moment. Like I have Flying Eagle. I have Jim Cotta. Right? You, know, you would expect that. You would. I absolutely would. And for some reason in my mind, I thought that there was – some moment where somebody was like, well, he practices Jim Cotta or something. I yeah, guess no. they never did. It's yeah. just a horrible made up martial art that they created, I guess. Like, I don't know if I'm disappointed that they missed the boat on it or if they, they called it Jim Cotta because they, they oh, didn't have a yeah. name for it. And that the name kind of was born in post-production or if it was always called Jim Cotta. Yeah. You know, maybe it was originally called yeah. the terrible game. Who knows? Right. Maybe it was. It, I feel like it had to have been possibly because of course it is based on the terrible game book um so i wonder if they called it that and then maybe there was something we're like well we want to distance ourselves from it and then we're you know we'll just call it what karate so jim kata right right we can afford to get kurt thomas and he wants to break into acting and that's the actor that we've got for the terrible game so we need to retool it yeah, you had to, to put quotation fit. marks around the. We could afford Jim. Right. Uh, Kurt Thomas. Right. We can afford Kurt Thomas. We gotta. We gotta like. We gotta retrofit this to fit. It's like those horrible Hellraiser sequels yeah. that Dimension made, where they were clearly just spec scripts of other films. Like, oh, this is a detective movie. Uh, put Pinhead in it. Called it Hellraiser. Yeah. You know, they were like, oh, we've got Kurt Thomas. Just call it Jim. Jim Karate. Jim Karate. Yeah, oh, it sounds great. Yeah, put it on paper. It's, it's kind of like American Psycho 2 has absolutely nothing oh, to do man. with American Psycho. Oh, and like, on, its own, on its own, it's not a bad film. The movie sure. called American Psycho. Oh, it's, like, it's horrible. Yeah. Like, just, right. just let it be a movie unto its own. You don't right. need to tie it in. So. I don't know why they do that, but they do that. I mean, I do know why they do that. They do that because they feel like it's going to. Uh, increase the leverage of sales just with an, uh, like a pre-built fan base. Yeah. But the truth is, is I agree. The moment you call it American Psycho 2, you have thrown in disappointment for the fan base that's going to buy. Mm-hmm. And then you've you've thrown in everybody else kind of going like, that's not as good as the original, you know? Yeah. Like uh, when really it's just not a sequel. It's just not, you know? Oh. I can take any film and tack on like a five-minute intro that says, and you know, then I, I escaped X, Y, and Z yeah. from the original movie. That doesn't make it like what it, you know, doesn't make it have anything to do with the original. I, and that's, I've seen studios. Yeah. They do that stuff all the time. It's just not good. It never <laughs> turns out well. It's kind of like, and I don't even, don't know if you remember this, the Friday, the 13th TV series. Oh, absolutely. I remember, not only do I remember it, but I've watched it many times. Yeah. And <laughs> As like, an adult. It's like, like, where's Jason? Where there's no who right <laughs> now I mean if they had made an American Psycho three and it, it sure. as well was a separate story then you could sit there and say oh I get it 
American Psycho is an anthology, kind of like National right. Lampoon. It's about different psychotics of the American subculture, right? Exactly. Like kind of like right. American Horror Story. We get that sure. American Horror Story. Each season is its own self-contained sure. entity, and that makes sense. But, right. But each, yeah. Right. Each uh, feature, each film is like an American Psycho three would be like. You know, it could be anybody. Yeah. Right. Like it could be a banker that loses his mind or or like somebody who's into politics in the worst way and loses their mind or, yeah, exactly. Like, but then you have to like, I feel like capture the feel Mm -hmm. of the first film, at least I feel like you have to at least, it doesn't have to be shot for shot identical, but it has to at least feel like it can live in that world, you know, where when you're watching um, American horror story, I feel like, you know, that it's American Horror Story. Yeah. But, but of course, like American Psycho was coming off of the book that it was based off of. I remember correctly right, by, by right. Brett Easton Ellis. And, yes. you know, so there's already that source material and this had nothing to do with that source material. Had there right. never been no. an American Psycho book, had there just been a movie called American Psycho, like an original right. screenplay, then you could right. do American Psycho 2, have it be separate, and then you could do American Psycho 3, have it be separate, and people right. get, oh, it's an anthology. Right. I think that would make a lot of sense. And I feel like, you know, I feel like even it's pre-built sometimes that people go to sequels with that first thing in a new environment, a new idea, a new setting mm-hmm. where I feel like studios kind of have this, this sense in their mind. that's like, well, we got to do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. Or they just go completely left and say like, well, you know, we're just going to tack this on in name only. Right. And I feel like there's never like an in-between, like you're saying, like there should be kind of a, I don't know, more respect paid to the idea of something and not just like, well, you know, let's just do it again. Yeah. Or let's just take a spec script. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. But the fact, again, the fact that, you know, Jim Cotta was never actually uttered in this. Never uttered once. Right. And I want to get a copy of the terrible game now. Like I want to read this book. I want to see if the, cause you know, like, what is it based on the novel by yeah. Dan Tyler Moore. I want to, that guy had to be like, they're making the terrible game. It's happening. Right. And I know he had to have sat there and watched Jim Cotta and been like, what? <laughs> what is this? What? That, that, that's, very much a, that? that's very much a Clive Cussler moment, I think. You know, uh, Clive right. Cussler is this, and I've, I've, I've mentioned him on the show before, um, very right. much like, like, you know, the Dirk Pitt Adventure series. Like, that's, that's yeah. his you know, bread and butter. And they made two sure. movies based on his books, Race the Titanic and Sahara. I don't know if you remember oh, Sahara. Sahara. With, oh, right? I remember Sahara. And oh, yeah. Each time a movie was made from his books, he hated it to the point of, him. yeah, to the point of he was very much like against the film. He wouldn't do any press for it. He basically like disavowed and like, like it was bad. It was, yeah. it was bad. Like, so when the author of the book that made the, you know, the, the your source material, Says your movie yeah. sucks. Oh yeah, and you're not yeah, going to do well. Press for your film. Well, and you know what the truth is, though. You know those movies sucked. <laughs> they were bad. I mean, Sahara was an awful movie. As here's the thing: like, I'm a Clive Fessler fan. I love reading yeah. his books, and I've read the Sahara book. Um, yeah. Do I have casting issues with that book or with that movie? Yes, I do. Sure. You know, sure. Matthew McConaughey, not necessarily my first choice for Dirk Pitt. But, no. but even that in hindsight was not so bad. You know, um, sure. William H. Macy, I thought was actually great as Sandek. That's fine. Steve right. Zahn. 
Steve, Steve. freaking Zahn. I have nothing wrong with Steve Zahn as Steve Zahn. Yeah, here's the the thing with with the character he played, Al Giordino. Yes. Al Giordino is a, in the books, a short, stocky, wisecracking Italian. No, that's Zahn is not a short, stocky, wisecracking Italian. (laughs) No, not even close. (laughs) I I, I have said this before. Keep it in mind when Sahara came out, right? Yeah. Around the time when kind of news radio went off the air. Remember that TV show? Yep. News radio era Joe Rogan is Al Giordino. Not yeah. not not yeah, podcasting yeah. UFC Joe Rogan. I'm talking no, news no. radio era Joe Rogan is Al Giordino. He would have been perfect for that role at that time. But I digress. Yeah, I can see it. Um, I, can see it. I will say something about the directing though. Aside from the fact that um, all of this is you know the, the fact that we don't have Jim Cotta uttered in the script, um, right? When before they get to Parmesan, so they leave America and then they get to Carabal, which is like this, you know, I guess neighboring nation to Parmesan in their world. Um, and the princess gets kidnapped, and all that, and he goes in mm-hmm. and Jim Cotta's his way to rescue her. Um, where they're shooting in that town, there mm-hmm. was something about that setting that just added almost an Italian job type feel to the chase scene where they're trying to get away from. Yeah from you know the the kidnappers of the princess and i'm like this looks great this feels claustrophobic right. this there's a high tension to this whoever a whoever picked up that location earned their money um right. that's right. where they shot that and how they shot that chase scene was perfect like uh, again Massive kudos, massive kudos to Robert Klaus. You know, you had a really good director at the helm of a really bad script, and he actually made some of these scenes really good, and that was one of them. Right. Now, once they get to, you know, Parmerstan, it's uh, it's all downhill from there. It's all over. Right. But, but Carabao, I, I like, yeah, yeah, Carabao I mean, was I, great. I agree. No, and I think I felt like those parts of the film moved. It did. Mm-hmm. It like it moved much faster. And it, it, I felt like the first 30 minutes moved way faster than the, the middle bridge part. It was like the next 30 minutes I felt like was just a drag. Mm-hmm. It just kept going. And like, you know, uh, the only thing that I felt like was interesting about that was that we did get a little bit of Parmesan lore. Right. But yeah. I think once again, it's almost like you can feel the elements that were from the novel, maybe that we're kind of like, oh, well, that's the story, really. Now, and then the rest of it was like, well, let's just see some Kurt Thomas Jim shit. Right. Well, let's just see that happen. And I think in retrospect, Carabal being very mm-hmm. modern as far as 1985 Yugoslavia goes, um, makes Parmistan even more interesting because Parmistan is, you know, it, it does. It feels like a giant medieval times complete with, right. you know, the, 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 the feast table and you know like your devo ninjas playing net games with each other on horses (laughs) also they are tell me devo ninjas is not a phenomenal band name i'm in yes all right (laughs) but yeah there's again the directing and the cinematography too again like that that chasing and caraball was great parmesan there's a lot of actually i will will point out one part of parmesan when the game starts Right? right before you know after their run through and the the, the feasting and all that there's the part right. where, there's the part where kurt thomas is in the uh the cornfields mm-hmm. and you know zamir and his his troops are trying to chase him down there is it's surprisingly well shot like that cornfield scene actually works really well i think 
Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I don't think that the, there was lack of competency. Yeah, no. I think that's one of the biggest things that this film that makes it more watchable, right? Is you do get the sense that there was competent filmmaking happening, which to me ultimately makes it funnier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just something about, so when something's like, in my opinion, so low budget, so low grade, that you can tell that nobody involved had any clue what the hell was going on, except for like the room I still find hilarious, you know, uh, naturally. (laughs) But like when you see like a group of people really trying and struggling and they just don't really know the craft, to me that's less funny than when a a studio just happens to just misfire so Mm -hmm. drastically that you're like, this is actually a real film that clearly had budget. Somebody... Somebody along the line just didn't know what was going on. I, I, do, have to po- I do have to point out, though, there was one scene where it wasn't unintentional comedy, but it was actually one of those lighthearted moments where, you know, before yeah. before the game starts and Kurt Thomas is being tended to by uh, discount Olga, like the, the Parmesanian <laughs> woman with no teeth and no tongue. Whatnot. Discount Olga. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, the comedy in that scene like it's it's not overstated because that would I think that right. would have felt way out of way out of feel for the film. But right. he, Kurt Thomas actually could have could have had some decent comedic chops, and I think sure. you know, and I think the director saw that and kind of let him be him a little bit because I I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure Kurt Thomas was not like you know very hyper focused Jim Cotta who can't run through a cornfield like he was the slowest right. damn runner in the game how do you expect him yeah. to win oh yeah absolutely no he was pl- literally plotting from scene to scene and you were kind of going like if there's no pummel horse this guy's dead yeah pretty much <laughs> which always made it hilarious was you know those random moments where he was like i can swing on this and do a gymnastic move in the middle of a town or like i can jump on that pole and <laughs> flip around and karate kick people i can I, do that i'm just going to give a, a word of advice to the the people in gym kata 2 from the sia <laughs> rather than you know activate operation pummel horse can we activate you know operation <laughs> decathlete because that might have been better <laughs> probably would have been uh, probably would have been more useful to get a guy that could run now, yeah. I want to put this into your wheelhouse here because one of the things yeah. I always like to kind of bring up is the score and the soundtrack. You know, oh, and be, you know, being who you are, I want oh, to put this man. in your court here. Like, how was the music for the film to you? It's actually great. It's <laughs> like it's it's hilarious unintentionally, <laughs> but they, you know that theme gets stuck in my head. Dun 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 dun. dun, dun. <laughs> It is every kid playing action figures with his father. It's like every, <laughs> the guy who wrote this score knew, he yeah. knew that, it, you know, like he sat down, watched the reel or read the, the call sheet and was like, okay, yep. <laughs> what is this score? Dun, 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 when, I, when, when that was on, <laughs> Where's my check? the first thing that came to mind was Captain Kirk fighting anybody on like the rock cliff that's the feel of the score at that time it's it's literally like i I expected the captain kirk butt kick where he would turn around and like bounce backwards into whatever villain he was or monster he was fighting with his (laughs) butt and that was that was captain kirk's fight move the captain Uh, butt kick i agree 100 it was literally 
da da da. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that that was absolutely the pace of the score. Then and you did. I felt the guy. I legitimately felt the composer across space and time going. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're we're gonna Captain Kirk Jim Cotta here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw Star Trek. I got this. I will point out though. Um, there was the training montage because every martial arts, you know, person going into some kind of competition has to have the training montage. It has to happen. But for the first half of the montage, there was no music. It was all natural sound. And I I guess it was like the, the, the SIA agent kind of talking in, you know, kind of hindsight voiceover, kind of flashback voiceover kind of thing, you know, talking about the game, but not on camera. And I'm like, are are they going to do a musicless montage? Cause I'm kind of here for it. I'm kind of, that would have been so out of the box different that I think, I mean, they eventually put the cheesy music in. Right. Yeah, as, 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 as right. he got about three stairs up the thing in the handstand walk, but <laughs> right. But, right. It, but that first half of that montage, I actually have to like almost credit them for not putting the music in. It would have been very different. It would have been different. Right. It would have been something. I think, you know, I don't know if they, there was that much thought, <laughs> you know, like, I think you just gave it way more thought. <laughs> In three seconds than anybody editing the film probably did. They were like, oh, where's the cue? When does it come in? I don't know. Just drop it in there. <laughs> I will remind you that we've also been talking for more than an hour about Jim Cotta. So we clearly, both of us, have put way too much thought into this Oh, yeah. Movie. We're both punch drunk. Just like <laughs> <laughs> we're both just swiveling around with Jim Cotta right now. <laughs> Pretty much. But yet not saying Jim Cotta. We have said Jim Cotta more in this podcast than they said in the movie. Way more. I think we've said Jim Cotta more than anyone. Possibly. <laughs> Period. Possibly. You know, I just, every time I bring up Jim Cotta, I just every, I get blank stares. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Trust me. You need some of this in your life. Have you seen Jim Cotta? What? Jim Cotta. Gesundheit. Um, that's pretty You're much. Right. Like, that's not a word. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. You need this. You need this. Now, as also as a lover of admittedly bad films, especially right. in the 80s. Um, yes. Fight sound design, fight fully sound effects. <laughs> I, I mean, again, kudos on restraint because that you know they 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 uh, they didn't use the the Wilhelm scream, which I'm actually kind of surprised. Yeah. There were there were many Wilhelm moments in this one that could have happened, but they didn't. True. But True. oh my god, every punch, every kick sounded like <sighs> someone taking a baseball bat to a. a series of cardboard boxes like <laughs> and it almost made it more fun <laughs> oh it's amazing it is it's truly the the lowest common denominator of sound design mm-hmm. it really was it was like you know the thuddiest thickest slap like they were like <laughs> we want you to understand and we want to translate the information that through Jim Cotta Kirk Thomas can punch you out of existence <laughs> That's, it, but it, what makes it amazing too is that it just, none of it tracks like not nope. one not one swing that guy takes makes you feel like he could really put down much of anything so you're just kind of like oh okay <laughs> that that is the widest swing i'm surprised you made contact but we're gonna make it sound like literally you hulk smashed 
a semi off the road. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's one of those surreal moments where your eyes and your brain, it's just not lining up with what you're seeing (laughs) is what you're hearing. You're like, okay. (laughs) Like for, for any of the listeners right now who, you know, I, I mentioned Foley sound. If you don't know what Foley is, Foley sound is when they film, you know, when they when they film a scene and then they bring it into post-production and they strip all the sound out of it and then they recreate the sounds because it can be noisy on set. There's wind if you're outside, there's generators, there's the whole works and they redo all the sounds. So they literally you have maybe two, three people in a room. So if you see someone walking on screen, they ha- they're in a studio with a microphone pointed at their feet, they're wearing the same shoes, they're on the same surface, and they're walking in step and redoing that sound. So somewhere along the way, someone in a Foley studio said, Kurt Thomas is so strong and such a good fighter. Get me the sheet metal of the sledgehammer. We're going to go with this one. Right, right. Somebody was just pounding away. It was like, that's, that's, that's the Kurt Thomas punch. Like picture Gallagher and a watermelon and that's what they did to whatever they could get their hands on <laughs> just so to make Kurt Thomas feel like the strongest individual ever, even though he couldn't run. Yeah, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. I don't think he'd win the game. <laughs> no, I'm surprised he did. <laughs> if, if, if it wasn't for Throg, he would not have won. Oh, and no. and, and the Dagobah part of Parmesan. <laughs> right, right. Man, they just happen to drop Operation Pummel Horse, man. That's which, it. Which now makes me wonder if that was if that was like some kind of weird fever dream Dagobah scene or if he just got back to the city in the wrong part of town. I don't know. Like, like, is that gangland I, LA version of Parmesan? Oh, right, you need to make it exactly. to the hills. You, oh no, no, you're just in the bad part of Parmesan. Like yeah. trust me, it's really nice over here it's not over there though like i you know that's the whole point though right like i feel like so much was left unsaid that the whole thing is like watching a weird fever dream unfold in front of you where little by little as it descends more and more into madness both figuratively and literally Mm -hmm. you know because clearly like was that like an insane asylum that he was dropped into is that where they just put people in Parmistan that they don't know what to do with that have issues like what what is this (laughs) I I will say like as I was watching this like and making my notes and all that I'm like I have so many more questions I do right that's it you get to the end you're like not only did you tell me nothing Mm -hmm. but by the end of telling me nothing I actually feel like I know less yes yeah but I want to know more I I want to know the world of Drinkata Yeah. yeah Yeah. Now I do I do have to point out going back to music for two seconds here. Yes. Uh, every now and then, like I don't know about you, when I watch the movie and I get to the credits and all that, I always kind of like to go mm-hmm. to like the music part of the credits to see what songs are in there, who wrote what of there yeah. any bands I recognize. Absolutely. There is, there is one song listed in this movie, and it's called Get Even. And it was written by two people. Okay. Uh, Alan Nathanson and Roger Stone. Huh. And of course, I like. Wait, no, not the Roger Stone. No. No, I looked. It wasn't, thankfully. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say, yeah. I'm like, like tell me, Roger You're Stone. Too good for this Roger Stone, right? Don't do Jim Cotta. I Actually, I think Jim Cotta is too good for Roger Stone, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, it was not the Roger Stone. So you know, we don't have to cancel Jim Cotta. We're fine. Jim Cotta can stay. Yeah, okay. Good, okay. Good. So before That's we pretty d- low blow when you say uh <laughs> <laughs> Jim Cotta is not 
Ooh, you're just not good enough for Rogers. <laughs> Jim Cotton is too good for you. Jim Cotton is too good for you, Roger Stone. Oh God. True, though. I think I think that needs to be a t-shirt right now. Jim Cotton is too good for you. <laughs> okay. Before we get to our MVP of Jim Cotta, because yeah. we we have talked about, you know, the you know, the wealth of backstory available to this and how the, the plot of the game could actually translate. So right. as a lover of this film, how excited would you be if they did a remake of Jim Cotta, even if they didn't call it Jim Cotta, even if they basically mm-hmm. took the premise of and, you know, went and got a decathlete instead of, you know, if, if Simone Biles is in Jim Cotta too, hmm. how, are you excited to watch it or are you upset the fact that it will maybe tarnish the, the good badness of Jim Cotta? See, that's hard because to me, what makes Jim Cotta the thing that I gravitate towards is the unintentional awfulness of it. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you redo Jim Cotta and you make Jim Cotta better, <laughs> eh, I think at its best, it just becomes another generic action film. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, that just becomes something I'm going to sleep through and not really give a shit about like transformers. I'm not, I don't really care. You know, I'm going to sleep through Transformers. I know there are a lot of people that love Transformers. No disrespect to you. But, mm-hmm. like, to me, it was just a generic, like, well, by the end of it, I didn't really care. It wasn't bad I, enough to be funny, but it wasn't good enough to be enjoyable to me. See, I know you're not talking about the 1986 Transformers cartoon. No, no, no. That, that's, a, <laughs> that's gold. That's a masterpiece, Dan. That's it. gold. No. <laughs> I and, love the 80s. And amazing soundtrack, too. Oh, God, yes. Oh, Instruments of Destruction yeah. and the death oh, music of yeah. Optimus Prime. Oh my God! Dun, like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, like the march. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then you have, um, you know, the amazing sun. You got the touch. <laughs> dun, dun. Come on, man. Okay, brilliant. The minute Mark Wahlberg started singing that in Boogie Nights, I was just like, Oh, <gasps> ah! my life. I was like, uh, I think eleven or something, eleven or twelve when I saw Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Changed my life. Love that movie. Love yeah. that movie still. But yeah, when he started singing it, amazing. I think I that's like, why I like Bumblebee so much. It was that the, the beginning of Bumblebee when they had like the actual mm-hmm. 80s looking Transformers mm-hmm. at the beginning of that movie. See, I'm, that sounds that sounds beautiful. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I didn't see Bumblebee. Bumblebee's Bumblebee's worth it. Is Bumblebee's it? Okay. worth it. It's, it's, check it out. it's not Michael Bayified. It's actually worth it. I, oh, I, wow. I, okay. I, I I will give it to that. And Haley Seinfeld was actually great in it. I will Oh, that's amazing. Full I'll credit, have to check it out. Full credit for Bumblebee on that one. It is it is not the it's not Bumble Bay, let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, that was always my big complaint when I saw the original Transformers years and years ago was, I was like, God, they don't even look like the Transformers. And to me, I was like, so much is happening. It's like uh, in their action scenes, it just looks like a bunch of metal pieces just flying around. I don't know what the hell is going on here. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I, and then it always really, really creeped me out and concerned me that Shia LaBeouf was practically dry humping his girlfriend on top of Bumblebee. <laughs> Yep. I was like, that's a sentient being, dude. That's like me sitting on your lap and rubbing my girlfriend. Like, what the hell is happening? I would be like, get off me. It's a good thing Bumblebee couldn't talk at the time because it'd be like, oh, this is getting real. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's like oh. when your pets hump on, like, in front of you or like your dog humps your leg. You're like, just let it happen. And have, God, have I hope that, it happens fast. That rocket raccoon moment of wipers, get them off. Right, right. That's exactly what it is. Like, eh, that was uh, uncomfortable. Okay. So there was so much about the original Transformers that didn't ta- uh, track with me. So I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we come to the point. So who is 
your MVP of Jim Cotta? The editor. Really? Whoever that guy is that edited that film made something hilarious. <laughs> there are so many unintentionally hilarious edits. <laughs> Things that just make me laugh every time I see it. I, I, I will give the editor, and again, uh, the Robert Krauss, the, the the director there, like, again, sorry, Klaus, the... Uh, the full credit where credit is due. Like they, they did a good job. Um, sure. And, you know, so my MVP though, while Robert Klaus was on the list for my MVP, um, okay. I have two MVPs. One, uh, everyone who didn't say Jim Cotta. Because again, that, that shows remarkable restraint. And I want, I'm now curious of the story is why no one actually said Jim Cotta in the right, actual right. Jim Cotta movie. Um, and I, and I I thought I thought about uh, Bert Cartalian because again he brought that sure. that that moment of like ah you know it, it was all good but now you know what? I got to go with Robert Klaus I think okay I think this movie isn't as enjoyable as it is uh, if he didn't clearly handle the movie with care um, yeah. He has the martial arts movie background. Uh, he brought a lot, a steady hand. If, if sure. ever a director could be considered to have a steady hand with a whole lot of crap handed to them, I think Robert Klaus did better than what anyone could expect given the hand he was dealt with. Right, in right. Because the and, circumstances are the circumstances. I agree. Mm-hmm. Like, he did, no one overplayed their role. No one right. overacted. Nothing was overshot. Nothing. Nothing was blown out of proportion. There were no. There were no massive explosions. There were no right. like you know ninja raids or whatever. I mean, yes, Devo ninjas for the win, but Devo ninjas. Devo ninjas. But everything was handled caringly and lovingly as a director is supposed to, and it right. actually makes Jim Cotta. You know, is it a great movie? No. Is it a bad movie? Right. No. No. Is it a great no. bad movie? Yes, it is. That's, I agree. That's pretty much it. Uh, Nick, I love it. Thank you so much for this. Uh, where can we find you out there? Uh, where can we find VS for Villains? And what have you got lined up? Ooh, man, you can find uh, VS for Villains at vsforvillains.com at facebook.com slash vs for villains i am mr agitator we've got a lot coming up actually uh we are currently uh talking to the amazing Gigi edgley we're probably going to pick up some more shows together and do some more performances together she just played with us at dragon con it was a real blast um i know we're going to be at uh metacon in october um and we've got other stuff we're going to be announcing very shortly so yeah Thank you so much for this. Thank you for making me watch oh, this you. this <laughs> epic film of great. Badness. I will make you. I will make you watch it. I will make everybody watch Jim Cotta. <laughs> right. I am good enough for Jim Cotta, and Jim Cotta is good enough for me. That is yeah. pretty much it. I love uh, it. To our <laughs> listeners, if you want to kind of get in on the fun of this movie, so here's the deal. If you think that there's a movie that is unfairly maligned and deserves to be shown in a good light, or you think there's a movie that is beyond redemption and there's no way that we can go through it and find anything good about it hit me up on twitter not that bad cast let me know the movie and yeah 
we're going to watch it and we're going to find the good things in it. Thank you so much for this. Uh, hope you can go back and listen to this and all the other episodes of the show. And you can also find my other podcast with the interview with Mr. Agitator from V is for Villains at the MYAM podcast as well, available on all audio streaming services. And that one's also on YouTube. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of It's Not That Bad. We'll catch you next time when the movie is probably not that bad. Take care. We'll see you there. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.